listeners. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Victoria, the host of Unseen, the Traffic Truth, where you're going to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. Legit, these are stories that you probably never heard of because it's not out there to even be believed. I want to raise some awareness through Voices Unheard, get a chance for survivors to tell their story. Maybe for the first time, maybe it didn't make headlines, maybe the police, even when they made their statement, they didn't believe. But hey, let's get into it. And remember guys, listener discretion is advised. You all don't see it, but it's right under your noses. It's right in front of your eyes if you just really look. You're you're taking the voices of the unheard and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. It's just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. the host of Unseen, The Traffic Truth. I really appreciate you listening today and tuning in for episode two. So I have Sharice, my lovely special guest co-host today again. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the second invitation, Vic. And before we get started on this story, I just want to say happy birthday to you. And I'm proud to be a part of yet again another episode. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, you you know, you keep doing that great job you're doing, and, you know, you might be like an official co-host. <laughs> you might make it official. I don't know. I don't know if they're ready for that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I'm going to actually talk about the story of Crystal Kaiser and the death of Randy Volar. Oh, I think I actually heard about this story. There have been some headlines, but I just really think that there has not been enough media coverage So this girl is facing life in prison after there was a $400,000 paid bond on her behalf. $400,000. But she had already been sitting in jail. For how long? Well, this incident unfortunately happened in 2018. So two years. Jesus, wow. I know, I know. I got my reports from the Washington Post the New York Times, and, of course, the Kenosha News, which this incident unfortunately happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, shit, I haven't heard about this story. This happened in 2018. The girl been sitting in jail, and she's how old? When this crime was committed, she was 17. So Crystal Kaiser, a black young teenager was 17 when she allegedly shot Randall Volar, 34, of Kenosha, Wisconsin, on June 5th, 2018. She's actually been awaiting trial since this recent bond of $400,000 paid. Was she arrested back in 2018 for the crime and sat there on bond for two years, awaiting bond? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of content to what happened since the first time she even met him, which was in 2016. And just remember, y'all, it's 2020. Yeah. Like this girl has been severely traumatized at least until we know since 2016. That's 4 years. 2 years being sex trafficked by Voller, allegedly. 2 years sitting in jail and now facing 
life in prison for allegedly killing him by shooting him in the head twice, setting his body on fire and his house on fire. Oh, my goodness. Like, there's so much to this. And she's going to be further exploited because I think the services were not handed to her appropriately or the right time. And I'm going to jump in and I'm going to say this. I'll talk about it at the end. Remind me, Sharice. Okay. That she, towards the end of her, you know, awaiting this trial, let's say like the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, I can't find the, the accurate report, but when I was finishing up the article from the Washington Post, they literally said that she's involved in a relationship with a, another older man. He was also in prison, and girl, girl... So wait, let me there, tell you. Let me tell you. Okay. What he, yeah, okay. ask me what he was in prison for. What was he in prison? No, let me guess. Girl. Was it was it child pornography? Was it child molestation? Child enticement, which he said really was some mixed up information. You know, he pled not guilty. Whatever. I don't know, but he was still in jail. But now it's like it's further. She's further being victimized, and I hope that she is getting the services that sex traffic survivors need. On top of her trauma of just experiencing the judicial system of a young black girl. Is is Wisconsin even acknowledging that she is a victim of sex trafficking, or are they just going and trying to prosecute her for premeditated or, or murder, period? I love your questions. And according to the report from the New York Times, the Chicago Bail Fund actually are the ones who paid that $400,000 bond. And... Other supporters and activists say she acted in self-defense and was a victim of sex trafficking. Like, you gotta, le- you gotta legit think. What happened? There has to be a lot of prior context to the fact that you're, you're, you're pretty much trying to charge this young girl of premeditated murder. So under what? I also captured a few bullet points from the New York Times that I just want to um, put out there first, that she's also facing charges of arson because, like I mentioned, she allegedly set him on fire and the house. I know some of you listeners might be just absorbed in the visual of his charred body in the house and a burnt-down house. And all I can think about is what the hell she must have been going through or have went through or was trying to escape that this predicament even happened. One of the actual members of the Crystal Kaiser Defense Committee said that people believe that she is a survivor and that she was punished for surviving. Like, that's, that's, that's just deep for me. Like, what do you think about that, Sharice? And now she's being punished for surviving. I think that like people don't want to see that that part of it. They want to they see the vulgarity and the the death, and they you know, people often victim blame. Like you had a choice in the matter. Like you could have not gone back to this individual's house. You could have not responded to that phone call, um, and whatever it was that that made her respond to that phone call or return back, whether it was money, whether it was a promise of something else. Then they say that that victim should have foregone whatever they were promised and then not allow themselves to be placed into that that situation 
Yeah, and this this story could be very confusing because I also want to just talk about why premeditated murder. Like, why is, you know, why that? So there's some court documents that show after the incident, Ms. Kaiser allegedly, or I'll say Crystal, and that was another thing. Some of the reports and, like, the articles that I've seen online, they refer to her as Ms. Kaiser. I mean, the girl just turned 18. Like, why can't we just call her Crystal? Or, like, say Crystal, that poor girl, or Crystal. Like, you know, at the end of the day, she's still a teen. And I'm, like, looking right now at her picture, and she looks like just such a sweet young girl. And then some of the other pictures that I'm looking at, and I'll post them to the Instagram. Some of the other pictures that I'm looking at, and I'll show you, Sharice, is, like, her hair's all natural and short, and she just looks distraught and hurt. And it's just like, I know in 2016, they got some better pictures of this girl. I mean, the girl was literally being trafficked for two years. You don't think she got some nice photos out there that y'all could start posting? Would y'all just deleted her whole Instagram and, and Facebook accounts? I don't think so. But you know how the media is, right? I mean, they, they don't. They don't want to find that. They want to find a picture of somebody who looks like a victim, especially if they're trying to get sympathy for their cause or if they're trying to paint the individual in a negative light, they're going to make them look like they're, you know, um, somebody who doesn't come from much of anything. Right, exactly. So Crystal met Voller when she was 16 years old. And he was how old then? That's when he was 33? I believe he was like 32, 33. Yeah, I didn't okay. get his date of birth. Um, and yes, she met him on Backpage.com. So Backpage, I know now <laughs> has definitely been shut down. But, you know, a few years ago, obviously not until recently, had there still been opportunities for even, you know, victims themselves, let alone traffickers, and other ex- types of exploitation to be running rampant on on Backpage.com. Now, there's a lot of controversy behind the fact that she posted on Backpage and that he found her. But at the end of the day, I saw that there were some reports that he still posted for her like a trafficker would for other dates. So he still was utilizing Backpage.com. He wasn't just like a pedophile looking for girls. And I, I just can't wait to like get into it because after reading all these reports, I just want to try to summarize them all for you. And I don't want to be jumping, but I got to add that like he had a type. And I'm going to keep saying young black girls because that was his type. That's what Crystal reported. He had been found with hundreds of types of media of child pornography. And they all fit a very, very similar description. And it's just sad and disgusting. So, Sharice, she met him when he, she was 16. And at the time, her mother and her family, which I believe it was her mother and her brother were fleeing a domestic violence situation, the mom's boyfriend. She was in that situation. She was, you know, the mother was really struggling. She was trying to make ends meet as a single mother. They, she was in a, you know, a toxic relationship. She was able to flee, and they were residing at a homeless shelter with the Salvation Army. Now, the brother at this time, I believe he wasn't also in a good place, I remember uh, reading that he was stealing cars 
And, you know, probably that was his means of making it for the family, too. You know what I mean? During the time of her being at the Salvation Army, um, she was posting on Backpage and trying to just kind of, you know, get money. I want to get into the night, but it's just I wish that there was more information about her night because we don't know and no one but herself can really say what she was experiencing. Like, how did it get to that point? And it is reported on the night that Crystal went to his home. The trafficker, Randall, paid an Uber to pick her up. But that wasn't the first time. Just to put context about him... On the night of his death, he had been under police investigation for possession of child pornography and sex trafficking. Mm. So he was arrested in 2018, girl, in February. And this happened on the night of June 5th. Hello? So four months later. So in, in February, he was released. And he remained free for three months. Even after, like, do I got to repeat that? Like, even after... Police discovered evidence that he was abusing about a dozen underage black girls. Remember that I told you guys that he had a specific type and they had found child pornography. So you got hundreds of videos of him raping these young teenagers, these young black girls. And you already are saying that he was, you know, under investigation for sex trafficking. So what do you think sex trafficking looks like? Exactly. So it sounds like those community members, those police officers, those advocates, those responders didn't even know what they were essentially looking at. So it's reported that she set the house on fire and she left in his BMW. But before she set the house on fire, she also set him on fire after, yes, allegedly shooting him twice in the head. But like Crystal reported in the New York Times article that he had pinned her to the floor shortly before she shot him. And according to Kenosha News, she said that they legit shared a damn pizza, Sharice. Oh my gosh, that night. Like a pizza. And that was found in the house? Well, I don't know. Yep, found- yep. Okay, yeah. So when they entered the home... They saw, actually, Sharice, why don't you just read exactly what they saw? So according to this Washington Post article, it says when they combed the house for evidence, they found alcohol bottles on the floor, a pizza box in the fridge, multiple hotel room keys. I'm going to ask you about that here in a second. And then the credit card record showed that the night before he had paid for an Uber from Milwaukee to his home. Why would anybody have multiple hotel room keys? So it's very common for traffickers that that is a, a location for pretty much victims to be sex trafficked. And as a trafficker, which he is, he's the one reserving the hotel rooms. And remember in my first episode that I basically said that there, were, there are some hotels and motels being sued because they let trafficking happen right under their noses. So basically, he had all of these hotel room keys um, so that if one of his girls was going to have a a client, for lack of better words, that's where that transaction uh, would take place. And I know that sounds so heartless, but I guess that's the way I'm visualizing it in my mind. Yeah, no. um, Yeah, it's it's a place for those rapists who rape 
people. Oh, yeah, for money. And, you know, like, think about when we go, and I don't want to, like, relate to any <laughs> to anything, but think about when we're getting ready to check out. How many times do we not go to the front desk? We just leave the key. Yep. Or we take the key. Or they give us two keys. He probably gives the girls the key, and he keeps the other one. Just in case he has to go and check on something. Yep. That is, that is, I would not have thought, I would not have put that together. Yep. So that's why it's just mind boggling to me that they keep saying it was premeditated. Like, it don't sound like to me that she was planning to do any of this this night. And let me jump real quick to how she even had a gun. Okay. So it was her and her relationship with a boyfriend. And I believe he was an older boyfriend, too. I believe he was, like, 23. Um, but he actually was aware of Voller. And he actually was like, you know, at one point I read that he was like, yo, you know, Crystal, just stop seeing him. And, you know, you asked a question before about the whole trauma bonding. But, like, she would legit say that he's her friend like Voller's her friend mm. Voller helped them get money when she was out you know they came out of the shelter Voller let them sleep it sleep you know in a place that was safe oh I, oh yeah that's what I forgot to say she freaking moved in with him are you serious yeah how you have a whole 16 year old black girl living in your home Voller and I don't want to say whole black girl but come on did you recently adopt one like how you have a whole child living in your home period, and you're not going through the state and fostering or adopting. Exactly. So the reason why they're still saying that it could, you know, it's premeditated murder, um, apparently the boyfriend gave her the gun because he was like, you know, he's stalking you, you know, you need protection, like, I just want you to have this. And, like, literally that day is when she got the gun from him. It wasn't like she was carrying it around. She hadn't been carrying it around. Supposedly, you know, that was the first and last night that she actually had this pistol. But because it's because of this, this is why it's premeditated murder. She appeared on Facebook in a picture posted on June 8th holding the pistol, Sharice, and apparently said that she was not afraid to kill again. Wow. Also, it's reported that she there were some text messages and other social media posts that show question mark, you know, like um she did def- she could have planned it. Um why else was she carrying that gun that night and then you could just jump in on Facebook the next day or a few days after? The other thing is this damn car. So remember I mentioned that the brother was stealing cars? Yeah. In some of those text messages, it was actually found that she had said, this is for you, and she gave Mr. Voller's BMW to her brother. Oh, so after he was killed, his BMW was taken, and she allegedly took it and gave it to her brother. Yeah. Um, And there was a report that I read that the trafficker's lawyer is saying that she planned to steal that BMW that night anyway and give it to her boyfriend. 
But are they using that as a basis of premeditation for murder? Like somebody killed somebody Literally. for a BMW, like shot him twice in the head, caught him on fire and his house on fire. For a BMW. Just for a BMW. Right, exactly, exactly. And remember I told you, like, the brother had already been, like, stealing cars and everything like that. So we don't know what was going through Crystal's mind. Like, maybe she was like, I need to get away because that's what happened. When she left the home, it was in his BMW. That So is that the vehicle that... She was caught in, and that's how she got caught? Or was her brother caught driving that? No, girl. I don't even want to tell you how she was arrested. She was freaking arrested. Sorry, we got to jump, y'all. She was freaking arrested on a night in her room. And they, they arrested her. They, they busted in her house, and they arrested her that way? Yes. How did they, like, and I know we're jumping, and I'm going to try and keep <laughs> yeah. you on track. But, like, I mean, at the end of the day, how did they tie all of the evidence together to point at Crystal? So, back to the car. Yeah, so back to the car, it says that the car was found abandoned in Milwaukee, and then there was like a receipt inside that led the cops back to a family dollar store, and then the security footage at that dollar store revealed that four teens had been driving the BMW, and then one of those teens said he had a sister named Crystal Kaiser. So I guess that's how they were able to tie at least the brother to the murder, and then he said he had a sister named Crystal, and the investigation just kept going from there. Yep. And on the night of the fire, police found that she posted a selfie at 3.10 a.m. And behind her were curtains detective recognized from Voller's house. And her caption was, quote, my mug shot, Are unquote. you kidding me? Yeah, like wow. legit. But listen, talking about this BMW, three days later, Crystal live-streamed on Facebook. It's reported that... She talked about giving her brother a BMW. She showed off the gun. Oh, man. Remember, that was given by her boyfriend, Nelson. And she had told her boyfriend, I don't want to shoot anybody else, unquote. Wow. So, I mean, you can see where they're getting this whole charge of premeditated murder. Yeah, I mean, and the evidence is it's clearly piling up that she, she definitely had something to do with the murder or, you know, is, is the murderer. Um, but, you know, I, I still beg to, to differ that it was premeditated. I right. don't know. And, and I, I know you're going to go into her confession about what happened yeah. that night. Um, but I do know, so the next morning, after they found all that evidence, that's when they drove a battering ram into her Nelson's front door. Oh, so it was the boyfriend's house, yeah. and she was there. And, and right, because she didn't have a place to live. She was yeah. out there staying with Voller. God. Or Nelson, who was freaking, you know, already tired of her going back and forth to, like, this, this trafficker. Remember I told you about that trauma bond? Yep. She has a whole boyfriend right here, but and she's still seeing him. Yeah, and he gave her the gun, but then she gave the car to her brother. Mm. But when they found her at Nelson's house, you know what she was wearing? Or what what she had on. So it says here that she was wearing a shower cap, and they placed her in zip ties, and then I guess took her to the station for questioning. But like a they shower put a, cap. Like, like, you know, it probably wasn't even a shower cap. It was probably a damn bonnet. It was probably and right. they didn't, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, 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 it's funny for us to, like, laugh about it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, why do people write that kind of stuff in here? Like, let's not just forget that they drove a whole battering ram into the freaking front door of her freaking house. But let me tell you something. The house where she was at, there's a picture, and I'm going to post it to the Instagram page. It's covered in snow, and there's a freaking basketball, basketball court. 
court on the front of it, in the front of it. Like, come on. Can you imagine? Like, I don't know if we know what's going through Crystal's, like, head. Like, at this point, she probably is suffering from so much trauma. She's not herself. Yeah. She probably needs to be in some damn mental hospital, let alone a damn jail for the crime, because, she, you know, it was obviously not planned to, like, have this just so her brother can have a freaking BMW, BMW. that he later abandoned. But let's go back to, I mean, I guess what was known at the time about the crime. Um, nobody knew the history of, of Crystal and right. Mr. Voller, right? right? So what they have is a person, a man, who was shot twice in the head, and mm-hmm. then he was burned and his home was burnt down, mm-hmm. and a BMW was stolen. So I'm just trying to get to this whole battering ram in the house, like why the police would do that. And like with the information they had at the time, they just thought that this was a very dangerous you know, individual and they came with the battering ram. I, I, I know. I would assume that if they knew, you know, more of the story, that the arrest would have taken place in a different, less violent manner. That's just my assumption, though. Right. And I'm glad you said that because I'm going to get to a part of this story that is, again, this clearly is a sex-trafficked victim. Yep. And somebody, if there was... Anybody in Crystal's life, if they knew what was happening to her, I would suspect somebody else did that. I would suspect, like, an older brother or a good friend or an uncle or, you know, some pastor in a church. Well, or not even Nelson. Church, but even Nelson. I would have suspected somebody else damn shot that man twice in his head and set him on fire. I wouldn't even think that this girl was capable of doing it. But they just went off the information that they had at the time, which they believed to be true. Right. So I want to go back to the information, quote unquote, that they had. Okay. okay. Because she told the police a lot of things to help pretty much paint a picture of this guy that they, I feel like they didn't want to believe. One of them was, I read she told them that Voller knew how old she was. And I believe when he found her posting on Backpage, he had reported, well, it's reported that he told her when she asked, like, uh, you should find somebody your own age, you know? And he elaborated, and this is from her words to the Washington Post, he elaborated on why he preferred the bodies of young girls like her. That is so disgusting. I don't even want to know what his elaboration consisted of. Like, the fact that you could even have a conversation that alludes to somebody walking away thinking that that's what you said is disgusting. So remember I told you um, three months had passed where, you know, this slow quote-unquote investigation. So Voller had money, okay? He had spent $20,000 to hire a criminal defense attorney. And is that for the uh, the crime when he was arrested for the child enticement and using a computer to facilitate a child sex crime and secondary sexual assault of a child? Yep. Okay. And I'm, I, you know, in my notes, I'm like circling the shit out of hundreds of child pornography videos. Like, how can you release a man who has hundreds of child pornography videos who technically is self-employed? If this don't put you as a damn child pornographer pedophile, I don't know what is. And then also, there 
the the officers had to watch the videos, right? And the lawyers and all the the whatever. They really so they had to watch girls who appeared to be as young as fucking 12. Good God. Bitch. Like, I'm sorry I had to curse before that because, I, you know, I have a niece who's around that age. And more than 20 of those home videos, quote, home videos, was vulgar with underage black girls. But they let this guy go. He... And the only reason why I'm saying, like, not the only reason why, but the emphasis is on black girls because in the Kenosha News, there was someone who runs a legal clinic for human trafficking victims in Wisconsin. So it's not like it's not a thing and people don't know about it in Wisconsin, okay? And what I told you guys before in episode one is like there should not have ever been a term child prostitute. So she clearly says in an article to the Washington Post that Children, especially children of color, are still seen as willing participants in the sale of sex. And research shows that black girls are routinely perceived as older and more sexually mature than their white peers. I don't know. What does that mean? Like, willing I mean, like, participants. Like why? Like, like, why is this in a Washington Post article? Willing participants. These right. children are willing participants. Oh, so it appears that they're, it's consensual, so there's no crime happening? Is that what's trying to be articulated? Yeah, and she's basically saying that there are still many police officers and prosecutors who are unfamiliar with these issues and regularly fail to recognize that under federal law, there's no such thing as a child prostitute. So how can you even view a child more sexually advanced or mature. Like, I don't even understand what that freaking means. But they have an explanation. They but, don't see that, you know, and, and the woman in this article who runs the legal clinic for human trafficking victims in Wisconsin, she literally says, quote, investigators think, like, oh, my 14-year-old daughter would never do that. There's no excuse. And it's just kind of like... um, so you're saying that that girl knew what she was doing? You're totally not understanding the, the trauma bonding, which I told you before. Like, till this day, you know, she's talk, calling him her friend. That was her friend. That was her friend who helped her get money. That was her friend who helped her family get out, you know, for her to have a place to stay when her family was in a shelter. That's, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I'm lost for words. But like, no, no, okay, so let me just say this, and I'll get off this whole rant, um, the lead investigator in the case against Volar, against him, described a 15-year-old who ran from his house as prostituting herself out in his report. I'm actually just a little upset that this is somebody who is school-trained, educated, and states that a 15-year-old child is prostituting herself out. Like a 15-year-old child. Like, I just... The, the beginning of that sentence doesn't equate to the end of that sentence. Like, a child cannot prostitute herself or himself out. A child who's having sex with anybody and getting any type of financial gain from it is being raped, 100%. There's no other way to freaking define it. Black, white, freaking Asian, whatever, they are being raped by another individual. And, like, the fact that we have people who are in charge and they are, they are educated and they are smart and they are leading and they are helping these monsters get off that could consider a child as a prostitute, it just, it, 
it shows what's wrong with our judicial system. Exactly. Is that the 15-year-old child that was in the, uh, the February case, or is that, was that from a different Thank case? you for talking about that. You're awesome. So, remember I was telling you about the February case. Mm -hmm. So, there was a call just before 1 a.m. to 911 on February 12, 2018. 2018, same year that he was murdered. According to police reports obtained by the Washington Post, a 15-year-old girl calling from Voller's house told dispatchers that a man had given her drugs and now he was going to kill her. Then she hung up. Officers found her wandering the streets wearing only a bra under an unzipped jacket. Her pupils dilated. And she said, I think I've taken LSD. So in my notes, I put a huge question mark because I don't want to discount any of the services that were provided to this young lady after that phone call, if there were any. But my bold writing questions, were there any advocates at this point for that victim for that victim because at this point i would be mortified if i received a phone call from a young girl anyway and then when she was found like what were the officers doing at that point of how, of when they found her looking the way she was in wisconsin in february i know it was cold well it seems like the lead prosecutor was freaking titling her as yeah. a uh Literally. As a prostitute, or I'm sorry, quote unquote, prostituting herself out. Yep. It's just, it's disgusting. post a picture that is from the Washington Post of her as a baby and with her mother. Crystal's mom had her when she was 16 years old, and I can totally relate to that. Um, I don't like to have those vulnerable statements out there, but that is the trafficking truth. Do you know what I mean, Sharice? Yeah, no, I mean, it's unfortunate, but like a lot of these victims, you know, they come from broken homes or, you know, homes where their their parents weren't the most stable and they look for stability outside of the home, not truly understanding, you know, what, what right looks like. Yeah. And, you know, in junior high, Crystal earned a spot in Gary's Performing Arts Academy. That's, she, that's in Indiana, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's where Michael Jackson's from. That's the only Gary, Indiana. Yes, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that was actually really nice and, like, uplifting at this part of the story because I think that the story that's depicted in some of these articles are of the crime, of the crime, and the survivors also left out, but then there's some people that want to know about this trafficker, but, like, I'm sorry, Randy passed away. Like, he's gone. And I, there's not that much I could talk about about him except for the fact that, like, there's still this investigation. There's still these charges, and she's still facing life in prison. Mm. So, you know, she was talented. She chose orchestra. Come on now. If you see the pictures of her, and I know there's, you know, you, you, there's going to be people's thoughts in their minds and stuff, but, yeah, she doesn't look like she... 
plays a damn instrument and would be in the orchestra. What did she play? The violin. Okay. Yeah, right. and, you know, again, like, her mom was, you know, um, trying to make ends meet, and she couldn't afford a violin. Um, she, you know, she put money down on it, and it, it, it was just beautiful to know that she describes herself by talking about her music, and she literally calls herself a violinist. That is so... That is yeah. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but during that time of her basically perfecting her Skill. skills as being a violinist, her mom's boyfriend had turned more violent, and they were pretty much looking for a way out and, you know, trying to escape that that situation. Yeah, of course. So... They did stay, like I mentioned earlier, at the Salvation Army for a few months, but then they found an apartment. And this is after they moved away from Indiana to Milwaukee? Yes. Okay, and they were staying at the Salvation Army. Yep, and then they soon had found an apartment, and her mom got an awesome job, you know, trying to make ends meet. And at the time, unfortunately, yes, her brother was stealing cars. Um, Crystal started skipping school. And hanging out with that older boyfriend of hers, um, Nelson. Mr. Nelson. They were, like, fighting soon, like, physically fighting. Um, the Washington Post reports a witness saw Nelson holding Crystal in a headlock and striking her with a stick more than, like, ten times while dragging her through the parking lot. Oh now, my God. picture her self-worth at this point. Already, like, you know, from that broken home left that abusive relationship, or her mom had left the abusive relationship. Now they're staying in a shelter at the Salvation Army, and she's with this this guy who's, you know, slightly older, three years older, but, like, you know, she thinks that she's in a, a good relationship, and this guy is beating her in the parking lots, like, mm-hmm. in public, right? Like, dragging her. Dragging like, her. Like, he, okay, so he pleaded guilty to battery. Okay. But she stayed with him. Yeah. There are also some traumatizing situations experienced through living in, living that, in that yeah, yeah living in that, that magnitude. So, um, so now the fall of 2016. Okay, mom got her apartment right. Um, she's still staying with Nelson, but it sounds like she's looking for a way out of that situation. Okay. She meets someone who told her she deserved better. And guess who the hell that was? Mm, um, let me guess. Is that uh, Mr. Randy Volar? Yes. So because of the situation that s- survivors often face of guilt and shame, she did lie and say she met him at a bus stop, right? But then later she confessed that she met him after he responded to an ad on Backpage. Um, and and this is just heart-wrenching, like heart Wrenching. She basically said she needed money for snacks and school notebooks. And she said that a girl she knew showed her how to use the site. And guess who the fuck was the first to respond? I don't even have to guess. Um, um, Mr. Rollar. Yeah, like, oh, I'm just even tired of saying his name. Crystal, Crystal, Crystal. Like, I'm sorry that, like, I, a precursor to something that's really sad and connected to me because of the, you know, the shelter that I manage, it's, like, I say fuck before it because poor girl wanted money for snacks and school notebooks. Like, there's services out there that 
can provide things for them. And I'm probably sh- probably thinking that at this time, she's just like, I already stayed at the shelter. Like, I'm tired of asking people for her stuff. Like, her mom's getting on her feet. She has a job. You know, I don't want to ask my mom for anything. It's just kind of like this girl showed me. This girl's getting money, you know? But then here's this whole, like, 30, 31-year-old man who sees this child asking for money for school. Uh, what is it, school supplies and notebooks or Mm -hmm. snacks and school notebooks, right? So he knows he's not responding to some college student or some, you know... Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, like, don't get me wrong. I don't know if that's what she posted. But, I mean, to me, it would be smart if she did because, one, that's, you know, to me, like, that's a pedophile's dream, right? He knows that she's young, but I think she said that she lied and told him that she was 19. Oh, okay. But then I know earlier... You said that he threw a seventeen or a birthday party for her seventeenth birthday. Yep. So exactly. at some point, even if he thought she was nineteen then, he learned that she was seventeen years old. Yep. But remember she had a boyfriend, right? At this time. Yeah. So this is a part of the grooming and manipulation again. She's probably there telling him stories about like what the hell Nelson did to her and like how she doesn't want to be with anybody abusive because her mom's boyfriend abused her mm-hmm. and that's why they had to leave that house. So like he's retaining all of this information to use not against her but to show her he's the knight in shining armor. Yeah. He's the rescuer, he's the savior. So the report basically says not not very long after she was seeing Voller every other week. She said he was always complimenting her brown eyes, her colorful wigs, her 104-pound body. He took her on dates. He let her order steak. He bought her a heart-shaped locket, got her phone, and let her drive his cars. And, like, for, uh, uh, I think, a six, 16-year-old... You know, 16 that's that's a that's a that's super like huge life. deal. I mean, that's a super huge deal to me when I was like twenty three years old, you know. And as a child who's coming out of that that situation where her mother's boyfriend was abusive and they had been staying at the Salvation Army um, shelter, like you know, now she's out and she's, she's on the come up. She's on the come up, and she's got somebody who treats her good and isn't choking her and dragging her in parking lots, and she's like, not seeing. Like yeah. what, you know, like who. Nelson wasn't buying her no damn heart lock, no heart shaped locket. Like that's like that's like out the notebook. Like these girls ain't reading the notebook. They don't want those princesses, you know, those prince charmings. Like they, you know, they're like, wow, this is like I made it. Like and she's walking around with this fancy looking white man and his BMW. And like I mean, as I continue reading this article, like he got her a phone. He let her drive his cars. I don't know how many he had. He gave her cash. He let her go shopping. Sometimes he would give her as much as $500. Um, And then, like, she would just lie to her mom about where all the gifts and the money came from. And you know she probably felt so good to give her family that money. Yeah, of course. And she knew what he wanted in return. I mean, she reported that. What what did he want in return? Sex. I don't know if it was necessarily at this stage him (laughs) already trafficking her. Yeah. But she did know to one of the articles that eventually, like, she didn't have to post on Backpage anymore. But he had. And he had posted for her. And he kind of does this in the mix of different situations. I don't see where it was reported of her knowing that he was taping her. But... Again, 
he did, she did say that he did show her videos of him abusing and raping other girls. Oh, it's just so tragic. So maybe he's making her, again, is part of the manipulation and the coercion and all that stuff that like, hey, I'm doing all these things for you. And remember, you, you pointed it out where like, there's something that happened between her and Nelson and he paid her bail. Yeah. And she didn't ask him to. She so her brother, um, mm. he had gotten caught. Well, no, he had stolen a car, and she had uh, gotten caught by Milwaukee police driving that stolen car. And when they tried to pull her over, she sped away, and then she ran, and then she was charged with fleeing an officer. And like in Wisconsin, seventeen-year-olds are charged as adults. So she was in jail for fifty-five days, and Bowler paid her four hundred-dollar bond once it was reduced. Wow. I'm I'm just like speechless because this this that that was a that was a trap, you know? Like yeah. for her to have to spend 55 days in jail anyway amongst being raped continuously by him, knowing that it was for money, you know. Um and No, so- I'm like I have to correct you there cuz nobody nobody gets raped for okay. money. Like she You're was right. just being raped and he was just trying to pay her silence with money. Right, and I he apologize. and she was seeing that, or believing that money was something that was at least coming out of it that made it okay. That, yeah. yeah, made it okay. And she said that, and and she still was calling him her friend. Yeah, you know. So now her friend bailed her out. You know, but in the Washington Post, it's actually reported that Crystal said, "Yeah, he made clear what specific sex acts he wanted in return when he bailed me out." Wow. And she said, I never, she said, I told him that I never wanted to do that. And he said that I had to owe him that, but she never asked literally, you know, for him to take him. I mean, she already spent 55 damn day, days in jail. Yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure she, she was okay with waiting it out. out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So is, is this the point where she starts to cut or try and at least cut him out of her life? Well, you know, she's trying and... I think Crystal had, she had said that she told Voller she wanted to get serious with Nelson. Okay. And that she didn't want to see him anymore. And this is where the threats and the coercion start. And this is where you're the, 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 that man, you know, the Romeo, the Prince Charming, the guy who is her savior, starts to really show his true colors. And basically, she said he started to talk violent and stuff, you know? Like... Like he was going to kill her. Yep. He said if I did that, he was going to kill him. Because she said she wanted to stop talking to him. Mm. Yeah, and of course, you know, she never told anyone. Yeah, I mean, like, why would she call the police? Like, when her mom had called the police on the ex-boyfriend, like, the boyfriend always was able to come back. Like, cops never did, from her perspective, like, the cops never did anything. So why would she call the police for this situation? Right. On June 4th, she appeared in Milwaukee court to plead guilty to the fleeing charge she had picked up earlier. Oh, like so... A near, like nearly a year earlier. Yeah. So this um, is June 4th, 2018, yeah. the night before the, the neighbor yeah. called the house about the house being on fire. And that not that crazy, guys? Like, she's still with these two freaking, like, rapists. Like, 
she's, you know, not in a good relationship with Nelson, but she's with him. And then, like, she has Bowler on the side. Who's, he's now at the point where he's like, you're not cutting me off. Yeah. And, like, she's just, like, in a really hard place. With these two grown-ass men. Like, Nelson is 20 years old. I'm sorry. He's a grown-ass man. And then Bowler is 34. Yeah. She said that Nelson went with her to court. You know, this is the charge of her... Fling. Yeah. And by the afternoon, like, they were fighting. And she was worried, like, he'd hit her again. Like, nobody wants to be dragged across no, Mm. you know, parking lot. So she said, like, hey, I texted Bowler, and I was like, could I come over? To me, that's like, I want to be in a safe place, you know? So at 8.42 p.m., still on the night of June 4th, an Uber picked her up. Okay. Arranged by Hmm. Bowler. Which is the receipt that they found later on. Okay. And remember, she still said, I'm carrying that gun everywhere I go. So, yeah, the pistol was in her purse. Okay. Okay. To me, it does nothing sounds premeditated, but I'm just going to go ahead and keep my opinions to myself. She says, I had went to the house. He had ordered some pizza. We were smoking, and he asked me if I wanted to drink any liquor. And then he had gave me this drug. I don't know what it's called. And after that, we started to watch movies. And then (laughs) that drug, it made me feel weird or whatever. She said Voller sat next to her. And he started to touch her leg. And then she, like, jumped and told him I I didn't want him to do that. I remember an earlier report, Sharice, that, you know, she basically said that wasn't he, like, pinning her down on the floor? And she was basically saying, like, look, I, you know, to, my, to, to me, in my opinion, I would be thinking that she's, like, saying, I don't want, I didn't come over here for sex. Yeah, like, no. I think what she was like, she had, um, she was trying to get away because he had tried to, to make out with her or whatever. And then she tried to get away and she tripped. She fell. And then he got on top of her. And then he was trying to rip off her clothes and jeans, and she was, like, wiggling, like, trying to get away um, because it, something similar had happened with her and her boyfriend, Nelson. Literally. Fought. And, and she remembers, and there's a report that, re- like, she says that she remembers him saying that you owe me. Like, Voller was basically saying, like, you owe me. Yeah. And at this point, she probably has no ownership of her body. Many sex trafficking victims, many, you know, unfortunately, rape victims as well, just, you know, their survivor stories include the fact that they have no ownership of their body. They just, you know, people are like, why, you know, why did you just give up? Or why did you just give in? Or why did you return? And at this point, you know, she's trying to, like, defend herself. Defend her body. Defend her body. And, like... You know, why Why would she even lie at this point? And she's just trying to recount her version of the night, you know, and what basically led up to it. Yeah. And, like, there's so many things going through her head, like you're saying. She's, like, you know, trying to, you know. One of the quotes is, like, literally her language. Like, she says it like this. He started to touch my leg, and then, like, I had jumped and tell him that I didn't want to do that. My goodness. And she even said that she doesn't remember going to get the pistol. Like, remember, it was, like, in her purse. Yeah, but he gave her that drug that, I mean, I don't know what drug it was, but 
Let's also remember that he uh, was giving people acid. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember that part of yeah. the article? That article that that girl, when she had ran? Yeah, the 15-year-old. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. And it doesn't sound like at any point in all of the articles that I had read, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Kenosha News, they ever said that this girl was on drugs or that she always used drugs. And even here, it's unclear what she was smoking. It doesn't say we were smoking marijuana, Mm-mm. we were smoking cigarettes. Like, it doesn't say that. And it's, it's awesome to have this picture of her, Crystal, because unfortunately a lot of the victims of trafficking are you know, given drugs and, you know, similar to like the rape drugs, the traffickers would just get them so high where they're dependent on the drug, but also, you know, it's just kind of like they're out for the entire time, sort of like my survivor story. The girls were awake, like they needed the drug to stay awake and like do their job and like meet their quota. And meeting your quota is basically like you know, how much they're telling you you're supposed to come back with. Like, or you don't come back here. maybe they just needed the drug to escape the reality escape that was the reality. their life. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I hate saying that, but, like, it's just, you know, people drink to escape reality, and, like, drugs are another method of escaping, and it's sad. And then I think that's why uh, traffickers try and get these victims addicted to drugs. Yep. In one of the articles, she told the detectives in one of the interviews that, like, she was just tired of Voller touching her. Like, at one point, at what point did she realize that this really isn't my friend? I can't even come to his house and just kind of tell him, like, how court went or, like, you know, I'm not feeling safe with Nelson or, you know, just not have any expectations. So she, she you know, she recalls saying that she doesn't remember even, you know, shooting the gun. That's why it's, you know, an alleged shooting to, you know, in his head in twice. His head, yeah. Because she just remembers, like, a pop, and, like, she says, I started to panic. But she admits catching fire to him and to the house. Yeah. She used, what, like, the, the liquor and some toilet tissue to start the fire. Yeah. And this is, the sad, this is, like, the sad part. Like, I don't even know why, but I highlighted it in a different color. And it literally says in the report on the Washington Post... Kaiser said that she watches the show Criminal Minds, and she decided to make a fire. Kaiser said she poured red liquor everywhere, grabbed tissue or toilet paper, and started the fire. She said she doesn't even remember the fire. She said Voller was planning to just give her a laptop and a new car on her 18th birthday, and that's why she took them. And this is a little, you know, questionable to me because, I, you know, I work with survivors and I'm a survivor and whatnot. But sometimes when, you know, you're trying to protect someone or even protect yourself, I'm thinking that's why she also took the laptop because that's where they found hundreds of the pornography also, those videos. Oh, right? yeah. And then also she she states that she took the car because he promised that to her for her 18th birthday, which to me is like she's such a child. Like, one, she's reverting back to criminal minds. Like, you know, we, nobody, nobody should watch these shows and be like, yes, I'm going to do that, right? And then her childlike mind is basically saying, like, well, he's going to give me this car anyway. And now that he's no longer alive, like, I should just take it because it was going to be mine. Right. And it's just kind of like, 
you can't imagine like her train of thought right now with like everything she's doing from like grabbing the stuff to set it on fire, like leaving the house, driving the car. You know, she probably was in hysteria because again, like she posted that those weird pictures talking about my mugshot and like the other pictures on Facebook and selfies, you know. It, it, it's just, like, hard to understand because, like, nobody was there processing with her. And even more so about, you know, why she took the laptop or why she took the car. And he probably made her a lot of promises. I mean, he was in a nice home. She's been with him for, like, two years. Like, you know, is is she getting anything out of this? And she's thinking in her mind that, like, I'm keeping this connection with him. He doesn't want to, you know let me be free or whatnot. And like, we maybe don't even understand the pressure that the boyfriend is putting on her too. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about his money train, his money train. So after Voller was killed, you know, murdered, um, homicide detectives quickly learned more about his activities, like money-wise. So... Get this. On the day of his death, police received a call from TCF Bank where most of Voller's money, which was 800000 in assets, was Jesus. housed. What? Now, and he this, was self-employed. Self-employed. Okay, I mean, some businesses, you know, really just kick off. What was his self-employment business? Do you know? No, I don't know. But, okay. you know, when you want to paint this picture of, you know, in hundreds of pornography videos. But prosecutors would later also say that Voller's funds came from legal trading in cryptocurrency. Like, I know nothing about that. Is that like Bitcoin? Girl, okay. I have no idea. It's so crazy because when the, on the day of his death, like, the police got a call, remember, from that TCF bank representative. Yeah. They had flagged Mr. Voller's accounts between... November 2017 and May 2018. Okay, this happened June wow. 4th into the night of June 4th. June you know. 5th, yeah. He had almost 1.5 million in transfers. And without even saying it, that's a that's a huge red flag for human trafficking. That's just a huge yes, like period. I'm sorry. I don't aren't you still asking the same questions I haven't answered yet? And nobody else has in all, any of these articles. Where did was all, the self-employed yes. business? Where did it all come from? And it was so crazy because the detective was confused. He was like, um, I'm sorry, but, you know, he, he's no longer living. And the representative is like, oh, well, I was just doing a courtesy call based on, you know, information that we were flagging, you know, these $1.5 million in transfers. It's just sad. I mean, this has human trafficking... Written all child over Child sex it. trafficking written all over it. From what we talked about in the criminal justice system and the views of the police and prosecutors to where the service is lacking for her trauma-informed care. I mean, the struggles of, or should I say the vulnerabilities of these kids yes. that, you know, they say that, you know, single-family home and low income and, like, you know, she's really trying to get herself together. But then you have this perpetrator who's a pedophile and he's targeting underage girls and he utilized portals like Backpage. So, yes, yeah, Sharice, 
It just pains me to think that the two years that she was in jail, she wasn't really getting the services that, you know, could have, like, helped her on this journey. And there were some reports in the Washington Post that, you know, I'm thankful that they included it, that, you know, she was suffering from, you know, some, like, night terrors, like she couldn't sleep well, um... She was trying to see, like, a counselor, but seeing a counselor makes her agitated. And she was trying to call from home, call home. She was trying to call home, you know, but everyone knows how that works in jail. You got to have money on your books to be able to make a phone call. It's not, like, this is my ignorance coming through, but it's not a, a inmate from so-and-so is trying to make a collect call from, okay, while well, times have changed. Yes, times have definitely changed, and... Um, the, it, it's much like a profit, and yeah. like they have to pay for almost everything. Okay. Um, but amongst this time too, she was like trying to get stable and whatnot. And you know, jail is not necessarily rehabilitative. No. Um, and these aspects, I mean, she's facing life, life in jail for she's murder. Eighteen years old. She's yeah. Seventeen. 18. Seventeen. And, you know, what pains me is that she also moved to, like, another unit. So, like, there's that whole, like, I got to get stable again and I have to figure out everything. And, like, what, one of the articles, like, they mentioned, like, she almost lost all of her belongings during that transfer. They were either thrown away or left behind. So, like, she has nothing. Like, where can you start back up from that? And... During this time, she was finding that hope and solace into and from another man, unfortunately. So according to the Washington Post, again, like they basically said that she was getting a lot of letters, right? And she got a letter from a 29-year-old white man who pretty much said that he read about her case and he was in another Wisconsin prison. Oh, God. Like, this is a hysterical, like, laugh. Like, it's just, it just pains me to, like, report this. And it said that their letters had been so frequent that, like, Crystal just started calling him her boyfriend. Oh, my God. I can't, Vic. I and, can't. And she, and she knows he's serving time no. for the charge he pleaded guilty to in 2011 of. Which was, what was it? Child enticement. No. You know, clearly he tells her that the crime was a result of a misunderstanding. Of and, course it was. And he's going to get out next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but hey, he'll be a registered sex offender and you know, That's she's a free understanding. Right now, he's free she's free right now on bond, but like he's not. And Crystal says he is going to marry her. Wow. That was a deep story. And Crystal, we see you. Crystal, we hear you. You are a survivor. And we hope that as your story continues to unfold, uh, we will be able to continue to educate and inform our listeners of the outcome. And it is my hope that the outcome is a positive one. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, Victoria, happy birthday. Thanks for allowing me to be your temporary co-host. And I appreciate you. 
Deuces. I want to thank you guys for listening today and leave you with some words of encouragement. Every time you tell your story, it sets you free. You will feel heard, empowered, and seen. That makes all the difference. But as always, thank you for listening. And if you want to get help or report a tip of trafficking to help someone else, or you need to find service referrals as you are a survivor, you can contact the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or by texting BEFREE, that's B-E-F-R-E-E, or 233-733, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can also visit Polaris Project at polarisproject.org to learn more about human trafficking. Hey, it's Victoria. Okay, we got some more bonus stuff for you on Patreon. We're going to have a bonus episode featuring... A special, special person. Yep, that's right. The angel that saved me that night. So come on, join Patreon today at Unseen Triple T Podcast. Again, that's patreon.com, Unseen Triple T Podcast, to get all the bonus episodes. And hopefully get to ask me some questions, answer some questions for me too. All right, guys. 